following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. Hey, everybody, before we get going, could you please do the Forbes Under 30 podcast a huge favor by filling out a less than five-minute survey? Just go to podcastone.com slash mysurvey or go to podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. It's completely anonymous, and your responses will help us align appropriate advertisers with you, our listeners, so that we can be talking about things that are relevant to you. If you've if you filled out a survey in the past, we thank you, but we we still need you to do it again. Your efforts will help us stay free to download with minimal ads. Podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. Thank you for taking a few minutes uh, to fill out the survey. And now tell me, um, we're going to get into your career in politics now. How does somebody who uh, is running for city council? get an endorsement from Oprah. It's another crazy story. <laughs> How does that happen? Welcome to the Forbes Under 30 podcast. I'm Steve Goldblum, your host. On this show, we speak with young entrepreneurs and innovators. But first, thanks to our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. On today's show, we welcome the mayor of Stockton, California, Michael Tubbs. He's on via Skype. He's also a Forbes under 30 listy. Uh, Mr. Mayor, hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. So you're, you are the youngest mayor in Stockton's history, right? Only getting older, but yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you're the first uh, African-American mayor in Stockton as well. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. You grew up in Stockton? Born and raised in Stockton. So it's, what's fascinating is that in Stockton now we have five focus areas, which are areas that historically have high rates of everything bad and low rates of everything good. And I actually lived in four of them. Um, and then when I ran for city council in 2012, I won and represented the area I grew up in from the time I was 12 to 18. Right. And we're going to get to that. But I, I, I want to learn a little more about your upbringing. What was your... Uh, upbringing like? What did it look like? Where? Uh, what was your relationship like with your family? Yeah, so growing up in Stockton, I think I was really blessed um, in that there were some challenges for sure, but there was also a village of folks to make sure that they were like guardrails. So I think of playing AAU basketball year-round and recreate basketball, like the coaches who had full-time jobs and their own families but would coach us and take us to their, our homes and take us to the movies and, and things of that sort. I think of pastors and, and folks at church, like this woman who would bring me books every Sunday to read. Right. Um, it was really helpful because my mom, she was a teenager when I was born, and my father's been incarcerated um, for the vast majority uh, of my life. So there were a lot of cracks and things that could have went wrong, but thanks to the village of supports on my mom, my auntie and grandmother able to build, I was able to kind of persist through a challenging um, childhood um, to now be a mayor. 
Well, tell me a, a little bit about your relationship with your mother. You said she uh, she gave birth to you when she was a teenager. Yes, my mother, she gave birth to me as a teenager. It's one of the most resilient um, and strong people I know. And luckily for her, she had a grandmother and an older sister um, who just really believed they'd take a village to raise a child. So they all were all hands on deck. Um, right. Co- co-parenting, doing everything they could, mutual sacrifice, just to make sure that um, myself and my cousins and my little brother would be successful. Um, okay. so my mom was really good at seeking out kind of the best educational opportunities. She would ask her boss's boss kind right. of where they sent their kids to school. And then those are the schools and the programs I was in um, from the time I was in kindergarten. Um, so, so I was in the IB, International Baccalaureate Program, from 7th to 12th grade. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather was a military veteran. We were able to go to um, a, a, a small Christian school for 3rd through 6th grade. Um, so despite some of the challenges in the neighborhoods we grew up, um, a lot of my educational experiences were, were some of the best the city had to offer. You know, you went to Stanford on a need-based scholarship, um, studied race and, and uh, ethnicity. And, uh, you know, what did you – how were you treated when you went to Stanford? What was that adjustment like for you from uh, where you were living before, where you grew up? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Stanford <laughs> equally as home to me as, as Stockton. Um, love them both. And they both have been very pivotal. Um, and into the person I'm becoming, and for me, it was like being in an environment that was incredibly like safe. The only stress was writing a paper. Like, really, this is a big worry. <laughs> oh, I got this. Um, in an environment where needs were met, like just basic things, like every day, three square meals a day, all you can eat in the dining hall. You pick <laughs> right, like that. Even things like that were like, wow. Um. Before Stanford, I had dial-up internet. So I mean, fast, reliable. <laughs> when you get kicked off if someone called, it was amazing. Um, being in an environment where everybody was so positive and saying, yes, you can, yes, you can. And being in an environment where doing great things wasn't the, ex- ex- the exception, but the expectation. Like, it's not, not like, it was like, you're, some, you're here to do good things. Like, like there's no... There's no wow. <laughs> it's like, this is what you're supposed to do. We'll do everything in our power to support you. And then, I, and then like little things, like I found out that if I took enough classes, I could get my master's and my bachelor's at the same time and for free. Um, so in addition to studying race and ethnicities, I got my master's in ed policy. Um, and it's, this is just a phenomenal place to, to grow and to learn. I also got to see the world. I got to travel to South Africa, got to go to El Salvador, Met some of my best friends, or most of my best friends. Met my wife. Um, it was just an amazing, amazing four years. What a, what a what a picture you paint of Stanford. That's uh, they. I hope they have you on the board or something. It's uh, it, it makes me want to enroll. Well, I but I think that's at most colleges. Like, when you <laughs> yeah, where like you feel like you're like, wow, is there anyone like me or? wow, I'm scared to say what I really want to do or what I think I could be because I might be different than what's expected. And right. to go from that to a, to a radically different place was just like a butterfly getting its wings. It was like, oh, let's do this. Well, tell me, um, while you were at school, you how did you find your way to the, uh, the White House? Because you interned at the White House. And did you do that while you were at Stanford? Yeah, in 2010, there was a Stanford and Washington program. So... I did that, and it happened because my sophomore year, 
um, senior advisor Valerie Jerry came to campus, and she um, she we were in this reception, and at that time I was a sophomore, but I learned that really impressive people you can't impress them with your credentials because like she's Barack Obama's mentor. So what can you say? <laughs> like being twenty years old is gonna make her think you're cool. Like she's Barack Obama's mentor. Um, so everyone was trying to impress her. I said, you know, I'm just going to be mean. I'm going to crack jokes. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to talk about everyone else. Um, so I did that. And she said, well, tell me about you. What do you do? I said, oh, I'm a sophomore. And then being a 19-year-old, um, super empowered by the experience of going to college, having no idea of limitations. I said, I'll be in D.C. in the fall. And I would love to get coffee. Uh, <laughs> Genius. Genius. I know. It's so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> Wait, were you planning on being in D.C. or were you just? Well, I had, I had just applied for Stanford in Washington, so I hadn't got in yet. But I mean, whatever. smart. But even if I didn't get in, I was going to fly for coffee with value. Right? Of course. So, so anyway, I'm like, but she, I think that she reminded me of like the woman I grew up with. Like it just felt very familiar. So I said, "Hey, let get coffee," and she just laughed and she said, "Why don't you work in the White House?" And then, in a bigger can, example, yeah. you wrote wisdom. I said, I don't want to work in the White House, actually. I, listen, I was like, I don't want to work in the White House. I'm interested in doing education policy. So I'm in the Department of Education. So I would love to get coffee with you. And she, just looked at, she just looked at me and started laughing. She said, go talk to my chief of staff. So I ended up talking to her chief of staff, Michael Stramanis, who's like a good friend to this day um, and mentor. And I ended up working in the fall for the White House. And it was interesting is that my, my job was intergovernmental affairs which is like the thing I, I ranked second to last. It was like White House correspondence last and then intergovernmental affairs second to last. Um, and my job was to work with mayors and councils. Serendipity, right? Perfect setup. Wow, yeah. look at you. Well, that's that's impressive. I think there's a note for all the entrepreneurs listening to this to take. Ask people for coffee, reject the first offer that they give you, and see what yeah. happens. It's It also may, that might work for dating. It's, it's very impressive. I think it works more for dating. Yeah. Hard for, for like internships and things. I, I think. <laughs> Maybe not for internships. Nice person. I think that's what it was. Like, oh, yeah. he's so, so naive. Like, because you know how people can be at networking events. Like, I'm doing this. It's I'm intense. This. I was just talking about what everyone else was doing. I was like, oh, yeah, he does great work here. And she's great here. So I was like, she's not going to remember us. So why? Like, what are we trying to do here? It's a great um, lesson, actually, if you can talk about other people. Uh, at networking events, it, it does make you stand out because you're right. When people panic, they really want to talk about themselves because they need to show you and, and justify their existence almost. And no one cares. Especially... <laughs> like, again, right. I keep talking, she's Barack Obama's mentor. Where can you do as a 21-year-old? <laughs> I know like, nothing about your accomplishments are impressive. <laughs> I learned that early on just from being from Stockton. Like, people care about who you are. Right. Um, person how do you treat people but tell me did you have any interactions with uh the president in in the first term when you went to washington yeah i um i actually had I'm so blessed that god really gives me so my first week i was i used to staff all these events that weren't my teams um because like public engagement how the fun outward facing things not just talking to mayors and councils which are cool you know but mm-hmm. um, so there was a white house HBCU excellence thing in September and the staff were on it needed somebody to help them. I was like, I'm in. I got it. So we're in the West Wing and the president's there. 
he's like against the wall, leaning, looking really cool. <laughs> Not trying to be that intern, so I just stay back, say, you know, keep the cool. And then the staffer just like rushes over to him and hands me all his papers. And the president saw that, so before he spoke to the staffer, he walked past him and said, "Young man, what's your name?" And then we had like a little conversation. He was like, "I said, my name is Michael Tubbs." So where are you from? I said, from Stockton, California. He said, what school do you go to? I said, I don't stand for He said, okay, Stockton, Stanford. He was like, thank you for interning. And I think it was a great lesson for me, but also to the staffer. Like that, I think he was trying to teach the staffer that's rude, but you don't leave somebody in the West Wing while you run to talk. Like everyone's important. And that said a lot about his character that he did that. And then the second yeah. time we met, I met him was... He spoke. I was one of the leaders. There was like 10 of us who volunteered to lead the White House Community Service Project. So I was one of the 10, and he spoke to all of us about public service um, for a little bit. And we're taking a quick break now, but we'll be right back. Support for the Forbes Under 30 podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Is your company hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just crossing your fingers that the right people will see it. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for, for free. They can just go on to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes and save yourself a couple hundred bucks. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes, ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. And now tell me, um, we're going to get into your career in politics now. How does somebody who uh, is running for city council get an endorsement from Oprah? It's another crazy story. <laughs> How does that happen? Here we go. Um, so I was um, 
a senior at the time, and she had some students from the African Leadership Academy attending, attending um, who went to attend Stanford. And I had just got back from South Africa mm-hmm. before. And they wanted students who had some experience with South Africa, but also did not embarrass themselves at dinner with Oprah, at lunch with Oprah. So they chose myself. My mentor was the person I chose. So she chose me, and she chose um, a, another young woman from Botswana. Um, and it was myself, the other young lady, Oprah, Oprah's two students, uh, Jan Barker Alexander, who my mentor who selected me, Dean Shaw, the Dean of Admissions, and the head of the political science department, or African studies, some, some one of the departments. So we're at lunch, and again, um, everyone was trying to impress Oprah. <laughs> In my head, I said, well, I'm just happy I'm at lunch with Oprah. There's nothing I can say that's going to impress her. She's right. cool. um, I said, we're here for these students. I'm going to talk to these students. So everybody was like ignoring the students and talking to Oprah. But I just like ignored Oprah and talked to the students. And then it was time to do introductions. And then my grandma taught me the scripture growing up. It's in Proverbs and it says, better to let someone else praise you than your own lips. Meaning like no one likes if you brag on yourself, but if other people brag on you, that's right. Cool. So we did introductions, and I didn't mention the fact I was running for city council at all. I said, hey, my name is Michael Tubbs. I'm a junior. I'm from Southern California. And my mentor was like, you're also a Truman Scholar. I said, yes, I'm a Truman Scholar. She's like, you're also an NACP president. Yes, I'm an NACP president. And then Dean Shaw was like, you're also running for city council. I said, okay, you guys. <laughs> so yeah, I'm also running for city council. And then she said, who? And I said, I am. She said, Really? And she, she said, you know, I got the president elected. <laughs> I laughed. And so I heard <laughs> that joke. I said, yeah, I, I heard something similar. She said, do you know Cory Booker? She's like, yeah. She said, oh, I helped him too. And then she asked me about Stockton. She was, it was a really intense, like, interview. <laughs> she was like, how many people are in Stockton? Who supports you? Who's against you? How much have you raised? What do you want to do? Why Stockton? Why go back? So I'm answering them. And she said, okay, Michael, how do I donate to your campaign? And, like, everyone gets, like, silent. And then the chair of the department, she says, have you donated to campaigns before? And the Oprah was like, oh, heavens no. I donated to Cory Booker. I saw him speak, and he was the one. No, and I saw him speak, and he made me cry. I donated to President Obama because I just knew he was the one. And she said, Michael Tubbs will be my third. Oh, my God. Crazy moment, right? So everyone's like, oh. I'm like 21 years old. (laughs) Just announced the campaign like a month ago. I'm in this meeting in, in Slacks and Jordans. Like, it was just a lot. <laughs> uh, and then afterwards, again, she says, Councilman Tubbs, where, where could I, where did I send this, where else am I checked to? And then she was like walking around Stanford saying, Councilman Tubbs, like, Councilman Tubbs, Councilman Tubbs. Um, and then afterwards, there was an event with students, and I tried to be low key. But I mean, everyone didn't go to lunch with her, so I didn't want to rub in people's faces. But I was like way in the back. And we're doing introductions. And she's like, oh, I don't need to be introduced to Councilman Tubbs. We had lunch. And everybody's like, what? It was really <laughs> Well, I want to I wanna get to your current – that's an incredible story. I mean the third the third supporter um, you know, from from Oprah. It doesn't get any it doesn't get any better than that, except it does get a little better for you after that because I know the president, President Obama, endorsed you for mayor, right, in 2016. <laughs> your, your, li- your life right now, by the way, is like a series of green lights. Green lights and then <laughs> it was like yellow lights sometimes. Okay. 
so I want to get into uh, – well, first of all, just tell me a little bit about that endorsement. How did that come about? Did you – when you were running, was it a tough race and did you make a call to Valerie Jarrett or someone and say, hey, listen, it would be really helpful to have the uh, outgoing administration support on this? I'm actually getting better at kind of making asks mm-hmm. people. Um, that's something I, I still struggle with sometimes. Um, so we were in the tenth primary. We won the primary, but I just I didn't think it was in the realm of possibility that the president would be interested in a Stockton mayoral race, especially given the um, energy around the supporting um, Secretary Clinton. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't even cross my mind <laughs> that it was a possibility. But someone in Stockton's sister-in-law, but I had, so long story short, I had like Valerie Jarrett had followed me on Twitter. So they have been watching. I had been to the West Wing a couple of times as a city council member meeting with my former bosses. Um, David Seamus was following me on Twitter. I've been introduced to him. He's, he was the political director. So there was, they were like on my Twitter feed, but I think that meant anything. And then someone from Stockton's sister-in-law worked in the political office of the White House. So she brought my name. And then the president decided as an outgoing gift, he would nominate or he would endorse a bunch of like down-ballot races. Right. And she was like, well, Michael Tubbs waiting for the city council in Stockton. And I think one of the people was like, oh, we know Tubbs. Yeah, let's do it. So then we get this email from the DNC, like, the president would like to endorse you. And we're like, what? <laughs> and it was like, a week before the election, it's like this is crazy. And so we called to verify it was true, um, and it was. And for me, that was such an honor. Um, number one, to have the most powerful man in the world um, endorse a twenty-seven year, twenty-six year old at the time to be mayor of a major city. Um, that job, that was this big validation, I think, for the city and then for me. But then number two, my whole political awakening. Um, started when I was 14 years old watching his DNC speech. And then I remember reading Dreams from My Father right after that and The Audacity of Hope. Right. My first weekend in college was spent after like going out. I woke up early to register voters in East Palo Alto. Um, literally the first weekend in school. Um, I was an Obama fellow the summer before right. college. I had interned in the White House. So it was just like so much of like my political awakening was tied to his. Right. So to, to have that validation as I start into my own full-time political career was like, wow, it's very special. Well, it's extraordinary. And, and, and I want to get into your current role as mayor. So you become mayor. And how does it work? Do you look at at that uh, at the city and say, okay, here's gun violence. Here's uh, economic empowerment. These are issues I want to focus on. What do you do first? Yeah, um, well, luckily I spent the four years on city council were instructed as to what could be done, mm-hmm. what would the focus, what should we focus on. And we already built some momentum and had some coalitions built to address these challenges. Um, but because of the murder of my cousin, was kind of the motivating factor that brought me back to Stockton, violent crime and violent reduction is always top of mind for me. Um, but I think I, I frustrate some folks because I don't think it's like what do we work on first. I always say we have to walk and chew gum. So we have to work on a couple of things simultaneously. Right. And, and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be exhausting, but it's what's necessary for our folks. Um, so I came in and I had some ideas as to what I wanted to do. I knew. But the first year 
was really foundation setting for this year. So this year, all these announcements with like the basic income, mm-hmm. the scholarship program, Stockton Scholars, and bringing advanced pieces that we violence reduction program to Stockton. But all that was seeded in doing a lot of meetings and research the first year and saying, okay, where can we strike? Where, where is it hot? How do you prepare ourselves? Um, what do we do? Right. Well, well, tell me a little bit about the seed program that you have, the um, uh, the Stockton Economic Empowerment Dem- Demonstration. The uh, It's the first pilot uh, of a basic income program uh, in the States. Is that right? Led by a mayor. So like, kind of public-private partnership. There's one in Oakland going on now, but it's through a, um, a Y Combinator accelerator. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So this is the first one uh, really driven by a mayor. So what was what made uh, Stockton the right place to pilot a uh, universal basic income program? Um, well, lo- long story short, I think poverty is at the crux of all of our issues in Stockton. I think that's the core. Mm-hmm. And I had a team of very smart like policy researchers I would just give them provocations. So one night, I was up. I said, find me the most radical ways to end poverty. I said, not stuff I've heard of before. Go. I said, let's go for this is the craziest but research-driven idea you can find. And they came back with a basic income. And that right. was interesting because I had been introduced to the concept of reading Dr. King in college. But I had I heard no one talk about it. So I just didn't think it was like politically feasible or on the radar yet. Well, obviously, I'd be awesome to be a part of continuing that legacy. Um, so they said that, and I said, okay, well, let's sit on this one. We're not ready for this yet. But then the next week, I was on a conference with Natalie Foster from the Economic Security Project, mm-hmm. who are sponsoring the, the demonstration. And she came up to me. She said, hey, Mayor, we're looking for a city to pilot a basic income demonstration. And I said, well, you know, I'm in Stockton. I have a working group. Set up <laughs> researching this issue. And she was like, "Really?" I was like, "Absolutely." I have memos on my desk. Um, and after that, we spent six months co-creating. And why Stockton? For me, it's for a couple of reasons. I think number one, we've been so often thought of as a problem city. We looked at it as a city with solutions. I thought it was powerful, especially as we emerged from bankruptcy. Um, number two, because Stockton is incredibly diverse. There'll be enough stories for people to see themselves in recipients. Um, number three, I, I know my folks. I think of people like my mom and people I grew up with. Just how incredibly resourceful they are and how they're working incredibly hard um, and still not able to, still stressed about bills. And I figure as a mayor, your biggest job is to believe in your residents. And as if, if I can't believe in the ability of my residents to do good things with $500 a month, I probably shouldn't be a mayor. Well, what do you say to? And I know you've been on shows like uh, Real Time with Bill Maher, where they where they've challenged you and and have questioned, you know, that um, you know you might be disincentivizing people to work. What is your response to that criticism? Yeah, well, I, I think the research we have now. So, for example, Alaska has a permanent dividend fund that gives a thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. so more than five hundred a month, and that doesn't stop people from working. Um, there's a there was a disbursement of six thousand dollars a year to the Eastern Band of Native Americans um, in the seventies, I think, and that hasn't disincentivized people um, for working. And, and I think if we look at the data, sixty percent of all poor people actually work, um, and that's why we have that right. whole term "working poor." Um, and the idea for me is that in our heads, we think work is rewarded with wages that pay bills, 
But in reality, that's not true. That a lot of people, not just the working poor, but the middle class are really struggling. Right. Wages haven't kept up in the last 50 years um, because utilities and inflation keeps going up. Um, so, yeah, that, so that's my response to, to that. I don't think right. people can't live off $35,000 a year. I don't see how it makes sense for them to stop working and live off 6000 what is the biggest struggle that you have in, in being mayor? What's the biggest challenge you face or limitation? I think the biggest challenge is that needs are sky high, resources are value low, and time is ticking, right? So mm-hmm. it's like this urgency to do a lot. Um, but there's only so much, and I'm learning, there's only so much I can actually do that actually makes a difference. And doing it with the resources and, and the folks I have to work with, like as a mayor, you're not in most cities. As a mayor, you're not like the CEO, so you don't get to pick your whole entire team. You get to pick some players, right? Right. You come again mid-season. <laughs> you, um, you can't make trades after the trade deadline, so you have a team you have to work with um, to get things done, and that's teams across institutions. Well. So, the- there's so much there's to, to pick up on that game analogy. There's so much game left to be played in your life and in your career. Where, who are you having coffee with now? Who are you? Can you tee us up on anything? Any goals you might have? I mean, how far do you want to take your service? Do you think you want to stay in Stockton for a while? Or do you have ambitions on a, on, a, on a federal level? What, what's funny is that I don't even drink coffee. I go into coffee and look at smart. <laughs> yeah, but. It's expensive, but I go every day. But um, I, I would say that I'm committed to being in Stockton, um, at, at least running for another term. We've only served two terms as mayor. Um, so then that would have been 12 years in local government, which is equivalent to dog years. So 84 years <laughs> local government. Um, and then I think I'm open to opportunity broadly defined. I just know whatever I do, it will be kind of centered on equally equalizing the opportunity structure in this country and being very vocal around issues of poverty and education and incarceration. So right now that's elected office, and it may be bad in the future, but like it can also be impact philanthropy, it can also be public intellectual work, right? Like intense advocacy and movement building. I think there's a I'm not wedded to being in a position because I've noticed from some folks that this obsession with what's next and my next position and how this position me for the future um, makes people to make poor decisions or be a little bit cowardly in the present. And I'm a big Hamilton fan, so I'm like, we have the only shot we know we have right now is this one as mayor. Let's focus on that. And if we do this really, really well, we'll have every option before us afterwards. There's no need to like be super methodical. Just do a good job. Look up when it's time. And if you do a good job, people will respect that. All right. Well, Mr. Mayor, I really appreciate your time. It's been great to learn a little more about you and we'll obviously be following your career and uh, and, and and be taking notes from you. Well, I appreciate you for having me. It was like morning therapy. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we can do it tomorrow. If you, we can really just, you know, start where we left off. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under 30. That's the number 30 at podcast1.com. 
Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.